Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I am Peter Engler. That was the most radio voice I've ever done. I don't know. I, anyways. Good, good start. It's good. Let's like go it. with it. Let's go with it. So I'm here with our producer, Nathan Yoder. He is awesome. And then with our illustrious co-host, Aaron Mercer, communications director. We are brought to you by Brown Cross Community Church. And we respond to the questions you don't feel comfortable asking in church. And today, the question we're going to respond to is, why does Christianity offer the most creativity to solve the world's problems? Hmm. We are with Steve and JJ Harling from Compel Global. Aaron, you have any thoughts before we get throw it to them? That's a it's a great question. I <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, there's so much. I think there's a lot to be talked about here. Uh, I'm so glad that we we have the Harleys with us for this. Yep. This is this is gonna be it's gonna be a great conversation. Um, and uh, yeah, you're off to a good start with your your radio voice, illustrious. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I'll take it, but you good. know, we'll work with it. But yes, let's let's jump in. This is great. All right, let's start here. Um, we want to hear your story, but tell us about Compel Global. How did that get started? Okay, so here's a good way to, to describe it. I guess we're kind of like headhunters for global <laughs> for global opportunities. So basically, I've told, what we I've do, told you this a hundred times. We're headhunters. We, we, <laughs> headhunters and, and missions don't have a good history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's just let's just let that yeah, out there. There, there. there is some history there. Let's but, go with matchmakers, right? <laughs> much, basically, much what we do is we find it. we find we people. Problems, All right, let I me swear. just explain what this thing is. <laughs> so basically, what we do is we find people and we find resources to come alongside of international ministries. So we find where there's global needs and there's tons of needs all over the world, everything, we we call them the big five, poverty, ignorance, disease, corruption or violence and spiritual darkness. Mm -hmm. And we look at those things and we say, okay, who's doing what, where, and how can we come alongside and support them? And that's supporting them with people and resources. So we match people and resources here with opportunities there. Yep, yep. Simplest way to put it is that we're we're connectors. So we connect God's people to God's purposes. We're not a sending agency by design. Instead, we are literally focused on that niche of seeing people come alive in their sense of purpose and spiritual calling. Think awesome. eHarmony.com or Match.com. Much much better. Yeah. As, as, not Headhunter.com. I still, better I still like Headhunters.com. Well, that, that's I, not good. I, I wonder if anybody has that domain. Actually, that might not be bad. Headhunters for Jesus. <laughs> Headhunters.com. Oh, that's good. Oh, I, I, I love this. It, well, it I good. think some of our listeners, they like headhunters because that means they can get a new job. So it's not yeah, yeah, all yeah, yeah. terrible. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. That's exactly. Good. You know, so before, I'm glad we asked about that because that frames our episode. Tell us just a little bit about your story. It's a father-son team. Yeah. You know, Steve, you used to be the lead pastor here. JJ, yeah. you were like some type of pastor here, even in high school. So, I mean, <laughs> no, tell us. I, a little... I, I was a, a trouble raiser. No, I, I, um, <laughs> I grew up. Obviously, we grew up here together. Uh, Dad was pastoring. I was, you know, in kids ministry, that kind of thing, uh, running up and down the hallways here. You know, driving people crazy, but they 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 couldn't kick me out because my dad my dad was the pastor, so it, <laughs> it worked great. out really well. <laughs> it worked but. out good. We had a wonderful, wonderful years here. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, after after uh, after moving from Browncroft, we we continued in pastoral ministry for a bunch more years, and then uh, I raised up a young guy who he'd, he'd been a former drug dealer, and he came to faith in Jesus, and I brought him on to help with some youth ministry as an intern, and then really walked him all the way through. Met with him every Tuesday morning for four years. And then finally realized this guy needs to be the lead pastor. And at that point, it was like, okay, what do I do? 
And I knew that I'd always had a heart for, for what God is doing in the world and have had the opportunity to travel all over the planet, seeing what God's up to. And I thought, you know what, why don't I just, why don't I just stand somewhere between churches and the rest of the world and mm-hmm. figure out how do I bring them together? Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, that kind of led us to starting this new thing. Yeah. Mm. And um, it's been an amazing ride. We, we love what we're seeing overseas and uh, in so many countries around the world. There's just remarkable stuff happening and uh, a remarkable people mm-hmm. and creative people, energetic people, passionate people, entrepreneurial people. And, um, and we're seeing the difference they're making. And we're just thinking, man, how do we get churches in America and entrepreneurs in America and people with gifts and skills and abilities in America? How do we tie them together with what these guys are doing internationally? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's where I want to spend the rest of my life going and mm-hmm. doing. And uh, JJ, that's you've had 15 years of really in the recruitment field. Yeah. So you bring that whole skill set to the table. No, I, I do. I've spent the last 15 years working for mission organizations, helping people find their role and their fit in global missions. But um, for me, really, and for both of us, I think it comes from a passion for the for the local church. Uh, a little bit of, of my story. So after we left Browncroft, we, uh, Dad ended up pastoring a different church that shall remain nameless. And it was a, a really, uh, honestly, it was a really painful experience. And I remember being a college student watching what was happening, and I just kind of concluded, church is not for me. Um, I love Jesus. Me and Jesus are good, but church is not for me. His people drive me crazy. Um, I was over and done with church. And, and I remember very clearly taking a jog on the beach, and God reminded me what he thought of his church, what he had done for his bride, and he called me into serving the bride, but specifically to help churches have their eyes on the harvest. So, so for us, this really is a calling uh, with what we're doing with Compel Global, is about helping mobilize the church, the people of God, to have their eyes on the harvest. Hmm. That's great. No, you, and it's, from what I understand with Compel Global, you're trying to you're trying to make sure. So, my guess is over the years there were times when um, people wanted to be connected to a missions agency but didn't know where to go, exactly. or pastors wanted to connect someone in their congregation. Probably you. People have people come <laughs> up am, to you, no, right? Totally, exactly. totally. Yeah. So, but you didn't know where to. So you're trying to function as the yeah. the way, like okay, pastor, we'll, we'll talk navigate to us. your we'll navigate your way to the to, to the rest of the world. That's awesome. So, so people, we connect people here with people there, mm-hmm. projects here with projects there, money here with money there. I mean, mm-hmm. just we stand between both worlds. So what I so I was looking on on your your website and um, it was a really cool quote when it said it's time we do missions mm-hmm. from imagination. Can you tell me what that means? Can you dig into that some more? And, and it's your quote, Devin. I mean, that, that <laughs> you was know, when you. I threw that, that word out once, and somebody grabbed a hold of it and ran with it, and it's true. I look back and think, what a dumb idea. What was I thinking? No, it's so good. Um, so but good. I, th- I think to me, you know, I, I have a long history of uh, being involved internationally. So in 1925, my grandparents literally went to a tribe of headhunters for real. Mm-hmm. And um, they, uh, they figured out, okay, what do we got to do to help these people? I mean, literally nobody was wearing clothes. That's, that's how primitive it was. And they were, they were headhunters. They, they were cannibals. And uh, grandma and grandpa figured out, okay, what do we got to help these people with? Well, they obviously needed medical treatment. They, there was no medicine, no doctor, no nothing. So grandpa started, what, five different medical clinics. The people had no education. Uh, there was really no employment, no, no opportunity for them because they couldn't read or write. Grandpa reduced their language to writing and started 10 schools. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, and then entrepreneurship. They didn't have employment. They didn't have ways of caring for themselves. Grandpa's, grandpa was an agriculturalist, and he knew how to uh, receive his training in, in here in the States. And so he taught these people agricultural techniques and entrepreneurship. And uh, one thing led to another, and that tribe of headhunters was utterly transformed, utterly transformed. Mm -hmm. um, and amazing things began to happen. And yes, Grandpa wound up having a very, very significant church that uh, was very influential and continues to be very influential in, in the country of Nigeria today. Mm -hmm. um, but just seeing how he, he saw these needs that were great, significant human needs, and he thought about creative solutions, how can we help these people, but at the same time respecting and validating their own culture and their own cultural values. Mm and bringing, them, bringing all that ultimately to what we refer to as the Lordship of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, as Jesus followers, we, we believe that he is, he is the Lord of all, but we believe that Jesus loves and cares for people. And he gives creativity mm -hmm. and solutions to deep human problems. Yeah. I, I wanna go more into that because I, I think this question comes up a lot. You know, I think there's a lot of 20 somethings that are like, it's better to kind of go JJ's route Mm -hmm. as in the church isn't helpful <laughs> right. and things like that. Right. We've been talking a lot about spiritual gifts as a church. We've been talking about how the habit of know and use your gifts. Mm -hmm. It sounds so, you know, just mystical, but how do you understand spiritual gifts? But then how do you like, it seems like you live this theology out every single mm. day. Mm. Well, I, I, think, I think there are natural abilities that all of us have. I mean, everybody's got some natural abilities. And, and then I think on top of that, there are things, you can almost call them unique anointings. Mm -hmm. In other words, things that, as a follower of Jesus, God just kind of gives you a special ability in a certain area. And so for me, I always think in terms of what are my top three? Wisdom, leadership, communication. Those are my top three. All right, now there, I think there's other things underneath that, but in the end, well, how do I lean into those things and those are the things God endowed me with, and I want to press into them. And I think everybody's got some of these gifts, and there's like 21 I'm mentioned in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a cap on it. I think there's maybe a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. uh, but figure out how you're wired, and then figure out, okay, how do I bring how I'm wired to, to the mission? Mm -hmm. well, before we go to the practical steps, like communication. All right, you're gifted at speaking on stage. You've written, you've done... At what point is that a talent, and at what point does it cross over to spiritual gift? Oh, dude, that's a tough question. I mean, honestly. He's drilling you. I, I don't know. You know, I thought about that a lot, and then finally I just concluded I don't even know anymore. Yeah. And I, I don't know sometimes where, I mean, the Bible says that when we become followers of Jesus, we have his Holy Spirit inside of us, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you know what's the Holy Spirit and what's you that's been right. changed and transformed by God? Mm -hmm. And how do you decide, well, now that's, no, that's this, no, that's that. I don't know. I just say it's together. Mm -hmm. that, that's good. Well, I think, <laughs> I yep. think there's a, yeah, I just, I want to echo that from my perspective. You know, I think about the, the parable of the talents, right? And, and each of us have been given talents, you know, whether that's, you know, certain abilities or resources or spiritual gifts, whatever else all of them are spiritual in the sense that they've been given to us in order to make a difference in the world, right? So we're blessed to be a blessing. And that idea really does kind of emphasize that, that everything in this is spiritual. Mm -hmm. Everything that you have, everything that you are is intended 
to bless outward. Uh, it's been given by God. Yeah, that's good. I like that. But the other thing is, you know, there are some gifts that are really supernatural. Totally. Mm-hmm. And those ones, yeah, those, like, they're not even natural. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Like what? Uh, well, okay, so the Bible talks about uh, the prophetic word. Mm-hmm. Or it talks about right. speaking in tongues, languages you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are, and the gift of miracles. Mm-hmm. There are some things that are just very, very unique that you're not naturally born with. They are anointings. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yep. I think you see a lot of that too overseas, potentially more prominent than you do here in the U.S. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we might come back to that. I, I would Great. encourage. Yeah. How far do you want to go on that one? Well, no, no. I, I'd encourage all of you. Steve spoke October seventeenth uh, at Browncroft. He tells some pretty powerful stories. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess where I want to go, and I'm going to focus on JJ for this. Sure. What does the practical outworking of there's all these world's problems you all believe that there's spiritual gifts that god you know whether even i know jesus yet or not i'm created in god's image like how does this practically work out in compel global oh man that's so good so i mean we we have this foundational belief from ephesians 2 10 right that uh you know we we are his masterpiece we're created in christ jesus uh in order to do good works ahead of time that he's prepared so you know we we have that as our guiding principle we believe wholeheartedly that's true about everyone we work with so then there's a a really a discovery and a discernment process to figure out your unique wiring that's something that we do so i i mean (laughs) this word is kind of uh has different connotations in different world areas but I, i would refer to both of us as guides so we meet with somebody who's in point A and has a vision for what he or she feels like their life is designed for globally. They need someone to help them chart a path, and that's where we show up. We're the guide. So we're going to look at, you know, we are going to have you take a spiritual gifts test that you're going to work through with us. We are going to have you take some personality profiles, so we're going to learn about you. And then I personally believe we also want to look at your resume. What tangible skills and capacities and passions do you have? You know, have you run a business? Are you a rock climber? One of my really good friends actually was a rock climber for years, and he realized there's a place for that in kingdom work. So he actually moved to North Africa, started a rock climbing company. He's been able to be there now for 10 years, fluent in Arabic, discipling people left and right. It's a for-profit company. Um, Those kind of things, creative creative is all get out, but it looks at what is my history, what skills have my history given me to shape my future. Mm. So you give some some direction to the creativity people are bringing Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. It sounds like maybe do you, do you also try to coach some of the creativity out, like maybe yeah. open people's <laughs> eyes to things they haven't thought about before? For sure. Well, and I think I think that's one of the things, and this kind of speaks to, to one of your questions as well, Peter, but... Um, my impression for years, you know, in, growing up in church, I would skip, I would skip the potluck at missions Sunday because I hated it. I'll be honest with you, it was not my, <laughs> was not it. my thing. I would never go to that, right? Because I had allowed this narrative in my head that missions looks a particular way, right? So a certain type of people are missionaries. That's not me. That's not my life. I don't resonate with that because I'd allowed this script to build up of what a missionary is and what church missions really looks like. And I think I've had to unlearn those patterns. And so that I, I walk a lot of candidates through that process of, 
you know, what are your assumptions about what missions looks like? Let's unlearn those. Mm. And I'm just going to seed you with a bunch of creative stories. And when, once you unlearn <laughs> what you thought it looked like, then we can shape together what does the future look like. So I want to come... I want to kind of hold on that because sure. I think this is where I think you and Steve, this is a sweet spot. So I'm forgetting the atheist's name, but he wrote in the Atlantic, I think, and he said, yeah. like, Africa would not be where it is without Christians. Mm. So I think that one of the assumptions to someone that doesn't come to, to church, they think there's yeah. all these problems in the world and Christians are kind of sitting on their hands paint us a picture of what the world would look like hmm. without Christians across the globe thinking creatively. Wow. That's a good that's a question. Great question. So you good. know, again, I've, uh, my, my world is largely Africa. Mm -hmm. Okay. I grew up there. Uh, my family has deep roots there. I know the, the continent, been to just about every country in Africa. Um, I honestly, I, it, it's hard. It, it, all the, all those big five we talked about poverty, you look at how the, the church has, has created opportunities, job creation, entrepreneurship, opened up tremendous doors to address the issue of poverty. And yes, there's a lot of poverty, but you have to look at the growth of the middle class in Africa. And you have to ask yourself, where did that come from? It came from education. Where did the education come from? Well, it came because people came from America and started and other parts of the world and started to, to reduce language to an alphabet, something that could be read and, read and written. All right. Mm -hmm. You look at medical care uh, and this is true. If you look at our own country, where did where did all the the Yale Medical Schools and the Harvard Medical School, where did all that start? It started because somebody believed in the value of the human life mm -hmm. and the importance of of providing health care and, and doing research. These things have their roots in a in a Christian worldview, yeah. mm -hmm. whether it's education or health you know, entrepreneurship, all of these ideas are rooted in a Christian ethos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes we look at it and we say, well, that's not, that's not true of our country. Yeah, but look at the origins. Yeah. That's yeah. where it came from. Mm. It, let me jump in on that. <laughs> it's a bit of a soapbox for me. And I look at contemporary U.S., you know, church world, and I think we've allowed ourselves to get comfortable reacting to culture. Okay, we've allowed ourselves to get comfortable reacting to, to culture. This doesn't come from me, it comes from Erwin McManus, just so you know. Uh, but Erwin challenges us that the real calling of a Christ follower is to shape culture. Not reacting to culture, but to shape it. So you apply that at a, at a global level, that's the history of, of the church. That's the history of Christ followers, is they have shaped culture. They've shaped development in all of these different areas. They've brought skills and capacities in the sciences, the arts, medicine, all of these different sectors, including discipleship, at, at the forefront. And I think as a result of that, you've seen incredible advances throughout the globe. Hmm. Christ followers shape culture. Hmm. What's the, what is the, what have you found, you know, through Compel Global, through hmm. years of ministry before that as well, and both of the places you've been, um, what's been the biggest obstacle to that sort of creativity taking hold amongst people who want to, who want to shape, who want to make a difference, mm -hmm. who feel called, what, what trips them up? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think, um, there's a couple of things, but one of the big ones is, is our addiction to clarity. All right. So if I'm meeting with a candidate really early on first conversation, 
And, and I say, man, do you feel like God's preparing you for a new season? Uh, what's holding you back? And they'll say, I just, I'm just waiting for, for God to give me clarity on what, my next, you know, what the path looks like. And it gets an uncomfortable moment in a conversation because I'll tell them I'm not going to pray for that. That's, that's not, God's not in the business of illuminating your whole path. If you're waiting for that, you're never going to do a thing. He's in the business of illuminating the next step because mm. he wants to cultivate your trust and your courage as you walk in obedience. So I'm going to pray that over you. And that tends to be a really uncomfortable moment in the conversation, but it steers them on this trajectory of action, right? You're walking into the unknown intentionally because you have to trust. So yeah. I, I think that honestly is one of the biggest hurdles I've seen. Absolutely. I would, I would wonder, you know, if, if we really got that wish to know the clarity of our whole path, we <laughs> yeah, probably would no. be scared if we yeah, not, not take the first step, right? Yeah. <laughs> what we have in mind usually isn't anywhere close. Yeah. Right, exactly. But I will tell you, though, it's amazing how often we fall into that trap. Yeah. If I just knew what I was supposed to do, I'd do it. Hmm. <laughs> Dude, sometimes you just take the next step. That's it. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what it's going to be, and that's got to be okay because God is pleased with trust. Mm. And we're, that's what he really wants. Can you can you tell us? I, I'm sorry if you're just Let's jump go. in there. Can you tell us an example from your own mm. your own work in missions, a step that you took, um, whether it was going to another country or maybe it was a maybe it was a move here in the states, but something that you wished you had more clarity. But then looking back, you're glad you didn't because you wouldn't have taken the step in the first oh, place. Oh, absolutely. I think I think right now, I yeah. mean, compel, starting <laughs> the compel last eight global. months, yeah, for sure, <laughs> okay, hundred uh, percent. I mean, the last eight months. She had wanted clarity more than anything. <laughs> I tell you what, God gave me two things very clearly, and I, I don't hear you know this spoken audible word, but I this was about as close you can get to it. And God said, I want you to give me two things. I want you to give me your need for significance and your need for security. Mm. And I said, God, you know, look, at, look at this point in my life. I've, you know, I've, I've pastored great churches. I've run an international organization with big budgets and lots of staff. And just to be able to throw that all aside and start from scratch, you got to be kidding me. And then security. Look, I'm at a point in my life where most guys my age are thinking about how do I just get ready to retire? Mm-hmm. And here I am throwing away my financial security, taking this wild ride. And God's just saying, trust me, I got this covered. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, scary as anything, <laughs> but amazing too. Mm-hmm. So I want to come back to our listeners because I feel like our listeners, they want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. It might be inside or outside of the church. And, you know, so there's a couple tensions. Do I join an organization or do I start my own? Do I find a need or, you know, if I'm an underwater basket weaver, do I right. try to take that need? and Again, just trying to be humorous, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean, help our listeners kind of cultivate a more global view of starting versus you know joining, um, mm-hmm. need versus this is a gift or a skill or a talent. Mm-hmm. So I think um, I think there's a couple of factors in there. I I would encourage just about anybody uh, to recognize the value that agencies bring to the table. You know, I uh, uh, I. Obviously, I, I work as a part of the Compelled Global Movement. I also work for World Venture, which is a sending organization I believe in. Um, uh, but there's a number of really great ones. And I think the, the, the thing to me is, 
you know, it, it's so much harder to go out and completely start something on your own. You, you dive into a context where you can be an entrepreneur, you can be a creative thinker, but you have a, a, an organization to provide those services that you need. Um, so that would be my, you know, my advice to most people that, you know, want to make a difference. Um, but there's a ton of different organizations to choose on. So come talk to us. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, they think, all they exactly. all look different. They have different yeah. you know different benefits. They have different uh, ethos, and you need kind of a, a third party advisor to say you fit here, you don't fit here. You know, these guys you resonate with, these ones you won't. Do the agencies do they uh, have have you found that they're helping these people who want to make a difference grow in their creativity? Um, like, does it help to have a community of people around you that are trying to strive towards the same goal? What, what have you found with some of, with that possibility? I think I would. My answer to that is it's a bit of a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're an entrepreneur, there are certain agencies that are more welcoming and conducive to entrepreneurs. I mean, entrepreneurs yeah. are an interesting breed, mm -hmm. um, but there are some amazing opportunities out there for entrepreneurs. But mm -hmm. you got to be with an agency that gets you, gets mm -hmm. the way you think allows you to operate with a certain amount of independence. Mm. And, and not everyone's like that. So mm -hmm. anyway, that's part of why we exist. We just find ourselves, we listen to people, we hear where their hearts are, and then we try to find them a match for an organization that is a good fit for them. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. I want to get semi-controversial. Because uh -oh. just, just Whatever. like doing You that. do you. That's what we do. <laughs> um, so like you told the story yeah. of the person that's rock climbing. Yeah. And I think a lot of our listeners might struggle with the missionary support model, mm -hmm. you know, which we give money every month. And just full disclosure, I, sure. I give money directly to missionaries. Right. We give to the missions fund here. But there is this new model, which you're talking about entrepreneurs, which is I'm going to start a business. I'm going to be self-sustaining. Mm -hmm. Help us understand how that that's flipping. How's that changing? You know, should I still give money monthly or should I give, you know, a million dollar loan? You, you'll say, I'll take any, but I, I mean, cause, cause I, I think that this is important cause you can watch TV and someone's calling saying, Hey, give money right. to my ministry. But then it's like, why aren't you making money? Right. I don't know. Right. I think, um, <laughs> man, number one, we, we kind of allow ourselves to have some of these sacred cows in ministry. Right. So again, it goes back to that, 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 predefined notion of what missionaries are, you know, and I have heard some agencies say, oh, real missionaries, you know, real missionaries, they raise their support and that kind of thing. No, some great real missionaries have raised their support in the past. That's not technically the mandate from scripture, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I think we, we do have to kind of really um, disassemble some of those assumptions we've had. There are some great mission-centric focus people that raise their support. There's others who are working in for-profit business. There's a place for all of that. Um, there, there really is. So there to me, is. I want it to be really empowering. And you, even you look at the scripture, though. I mean, you, yeah. talk about, you talk about the Apostle Paul. Yep. So on the one hand, he's writing to the Church of Philippi, and then he has another season, you know, where he's writing, he's writing to him saying, look, can you guys support me? Right. But in other seasons, he's out there making tents. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it depends on the context, depends upon the person. I just think there's a lot of room underneath the umbrella. Jesus yep. said, go out and make disciples of all nations, but he didn't tell us do they have to be supported or not. Right. And I say, let's pull the lid off, explore lots of options. Mm -hmm. mm. I wish there was something. I wish there was more models 
mm-hmm. frankly, for entrepreneurship where uh, people can find other, under f- uh, other funding mechanisms mm-hmm. uh, beyond raising support because I think that is a challenge for some folks. Yeah. You know, if, if you're not a good communicator, it's really hard to raise support. What's, a, mm. what's the most creative missionary model besides the rock climbing? Or creative model that maybe solve a Oh, you got I a mean, really good one. Yeah, on I got one. all sorts of different ones, but I'll tell you the the craziest thing I've ever seen, and this comes from my uh, my connection with World Venture. So we've got a missionary who they launched as a couple. They went to Tokyo, Japan, and they wanted to be church planters. Okay, so they went and they tried planting a church. It didn't go anywhere, and then they realized that before they came to faith, they actually both had been lounge singers kid you not. And, and uh, <laughs> they, they realized that gospel music in Japan was like the thing. This is right when the movie Sister Act was really popular, and it, it just kind of went crazy in Japan. So they thought, well, we know how to sing. Why don't we start a gospel choir, but we're going to do it in the, in the YMCA and see if anyone shows up. First day, there were dozens of people that showed up and paid to be a part of this gospel choir, not yet believers. So you have paying Japanese who are part of this gospel choir. Then they go out and perform to paying audiences who are not yet believers, who are also Japanese. And this thing has exploded. There are now thousands of choir participants all throughout Japan. And right in the middle of it, Ken, my friend Ken, his, his wife passed away, but Ken's discipling people one by one right, in the middle of this crazy machine that he's built. So they've seen churches planted, they've seen lives changed, but it's through this, honestly, it's a, a, a profit-making, um, you know, gospel choir ministry. Wow. Crazy. crazy. So you mentioned uh, underwater <laughs> basket weaving. I bet that we could, might be able to figure something out. Well, here's, here's the thing. I, I talked to this couple a few weeks ago, and, and they're an older couple from the Midwest, and I said, guys, what did, you know, you're retired now, what did you do? She said, well, you know, he, he was a, a dairy farmer, but I don't think you're ever going to find any of that. I said, sure, you know, you're right. A few weeks later, I just happened to be browsing through our database of opportunities. I found there is a ministry looking for a dairy farmer business manager. I mean, it literally fits <laughs> this guy's resume to a T. And I shot him that in an email. Within minutes, they're like, what the heck? You know, wow. how did this come about? So all sorts of creative ideas out there. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Super cool. uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's that's so cool. How you know the Lord probably just dropped that in yep, there too. Absolutely. You know, like, we serve a creative God, so we, we shouldn't be surprised by that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious. You know, we talked about your story a little bit before, and um, and how you got to to where you are now. I'm I'm curious. How did your time serving in a local church? Mm-hmm. Um, shape what you're doing today and your approach to what you're doing today how do your time in, at browncroft in particular um but just in in the church uh how how did that shape what you're doing how did it shape your approach to what you're doing and maybe what you're looking for when you're trying to connect people to the right spot let me say one thing for me as a pastor i've always been passionate about connecting people to their call mm-hmm. that's always been a big deal for me but here at browncroft uh, that was really cool but one of the things that we really got into in the early days was we were trying to figure out, we supported a lot of missionaries at church, tons of them, but our people, I felt like there was so much more we had to offer, expertise, energy, creativity, all kinds of things, and we weren't leveraging any of that. It was basically pay, pray, and get out of the way. That's what it was. So then we got this crazy idea, let's take a bunch of guys to Africa and just start exploring 
scenarios. So mm. I took about, I don't know, six, eight guys to Ethiopia and Kenya. And we didn't go there to build anything. We just went to look at what God's doing. And it blew all of us away. And then we came back and said, you know, what if we just get in on the ground floor? Let's find a people group somewhere in the world that has a whole bunch of needs. And let's figure out how we can get involved. And mm -hmm. so we wrote a bunch of agencies and they pointed us to, this, to Senegal. Mm -hmm. And we started doing stuff in Senegal. And it was a wild ride, still goes on to this day. But it was a creative, it was a different approach because most people didn't think of, you know, churches being on the front lines and coming up with strategy. But I thought, we got all kinds of people that are great strategizers in this church. Let's connect them to live out their callings. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, and then I know that's, that, is, that particular mission that you're talking about is something that's still very important to the church. I mean, actually, it's, it's really cool to see how there is this creative vision and then also a long-term commitment and what, mm -hmm. what sort of work that can do. Yeah, that's great. That's really interesting. What about you, JJ? Yeah, you know, <laughs> even though I didn't attend Mission Sunday <laughs> potlucks, <laughs> true <laughs> confession, uh, uh, I really do feel like Browncroft had this, um, this incredible way of, of cultivating youth mission trips. So they would do um, a mission trip every summer. And I remember those were some of the highlights of of my time here. You know, I spent 11 years at Browncroft and looking back, those, those memories had a profound impact on me. Kathy Roters, you know, that some, some of, some of the leaders there just were very intentional about bringing a, you know, a global conscience to, to our youth. And I, I credit, you know, I credit the church, I credit our youth leaders for doing an incredible job because actually so many of of, of the youth who have come out of Brown Cross Youth Program are now doing things at kind of a global mission level. And that's that's the testimony. So. Mm. so I can imagine that some of our listeners struggle with this idea. One of the assumptions of missionaries, they just preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. Like they have to be pastors. And I can imagine some of our other listeners are like, this is great, you're starting a company, but where's Jesus? Right. How do you, I mean, these are real conversations. So how do you manage that tension and how do you, I mean, yeah. Okay, I'm dying to answer that question because to <laughs> me, no, here's the deal. It, it comes down to the kingdom, right? And we always think the kingdom is like somewhere off in the mysterious distant future. The kingdom is wherever the king is. The mm -hmm. king is here, right? And then you look at, okay, if Jesus is the king, what were his concerns? What were his priorities? He said he came to bring good news to the poor and the broken, the powerless, set prisoners free. That's a big deal. He did come to seek and save people who'd lost their way, mm -hmm. right? He came to be the friend of sinners, mm -hmm. all right? Mm -hmm. uh, bottom line is, you just look at the example of Jesus. Our job is to join him in his mission, mm -hmm. and his mission is to see his kingdom advance. So all that, I just don't think what needs to be an either or, it's a both and. Yeah. They come together, humanitarian, spiritual, it's mm -hmm. all part of the same pie. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm -hmm. Where, um, where would someone take a like a first? Let's say one of someone who's listening to this podcast right now is, you know, you, you sparked sparked something inside of them that like you know what I I do want to use some of my skills, some of my creativity for just to see what God could do with. It. I don't know the whole path. And maybe after listening to this, exactly. thinking maybe it's good. I don't know the yeah, whole right, path. exactly. But what, where would someone take a first step? What let, would be? What would? Yeah. Where would let, you point let, them? Well, let's have some fun with that. Sure. I'm a Google AdWords expert. Okay. How do I take a first step? Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> good. Right. Good. 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 Nice. <laughs> so good. So, man. Whew. 
headphones down. <laughs> so, I mean, first off, you, you got to be willing to risk a conversation. So nothing's going to, you know, it, it's not scary to initiate a conversation with us, but it needs to start in, in conversation. So I would ask you to, to reach out to us. All right. And, and we want to talk. We're going to spend about an hour on the phone with you. And we're just going to talk through skills, capacities, history that you have. Um, then, you know, we're going to look at all of our organizational kind of partners and say, who's doing what where? And at this point in time, among our partners, we probably have work in every country on the planet. It's pretty darn hundreds, close. hundreds of opportunities. I mean, it's incredible. But we also have, in addition to the specific opportunities that each of those agencies have, we also have um, an open door to bring them new types of workers, people they hadn't thought about before. So I would contact some of my friends at, you know, World Gospel Mission or SIM or, or World Venture, and I'd say, guys, I have a, a Google AdWord, you know, professional. How would you use them, you know? Um, that might be where it starts. And in fact, I actually had a, uh, <laughs> not too long ago, I had a friend of mine. His name is, um, his name is John. And John came to me, he was from the Bay Area, and we had never, we had never met before. We became friends after this. But he said, JJ, I worked on designing the iPhone. Um, I'm a Stanford grad, worked on designing the iPhone. Uh, that's my skill set. I have a ministry plan, and I'm terrified that if I go to a mission agency, they're going to tell me to do IT. I don't want to do that. Hmm. Here's my plan. Can I do this with your organization? And I said, absolutely, you can, John. Turns out he ended up actually going to Japan as well, and he became a a voice of technology expertise to the Japan culture. He was on the news all over the nation, but it gave him a sphere of influence where he could speak to high-level professional leaders at Apple, at Google, whoever else, and he began to, to disciple people through that. But, but for him, the skill set lent to his platform. You know, so I, I think that's one way to do it. He also ended up building a Bible app in Japanese using those skills. Um, for the country oh. so so one last question yeah. before we get to our final one mm -hmm. you know it sounds like you're really graying the line of you know tomorrow you know we have friends that work locally here at name your favorite big business we'll say ibm because that mm -hmm. started there it's almost as if hey if you get that call from your boss to go to yeah. tokyo or china you might not work through an organization, but that's probably your call to consider it. Totally. Like that's kind of what you're, you're, you're graying the lines a ton. Yes. Yeah, I think there's a lot of room for graying the lines, mm -hmm. frankly. I think we've, we've been too sensitive to boxing things out, you know, you're, or boxing things in. Mm -hmm. And I think God is far more creative than that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, one of the cool things we're seeing is the world's getting smaller all the time. And yep. there are more opportunities for globalization and, and people coming and going, and I always look at it this way. Okay, you got a job with the State Department or you got a job with some company working over there. Awesome, but you're a disciple of Jesus. Yep. So your first call is to be a disciple maker, no matter what you do, mm -hmm. and just use whatever platform God has given you. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, let's say someone got a call like that from wherever they're working, um, their boss says, we really need you to go to China or yep. to Taiwan or to somewhere in Africa or you know whatever the case may be. Um, would you all be able to help and would you see your way of helping in that way of of connecting them to 
the local the, the network of believers that yeah. are there i mean that's, they're, a, that's exactly okay. it so you know let's say that happens and you're married you have a couple kids you got to be asking some serious questions so it's not just about you and your profession but it's you know, wow, are my kids going to be okay? How do I navigate schooling options? How do I build a sense of community or spiritual community for my family there on the ground? Honestly, you're, you're isolated. You might be living in, in a country where you know no one else. You know, sin issues have a way of creeping in. So for us, we would plead with you, let us tie you into a mission organization who has a team there on the ground where you can have spiritual accountability, community, uh, some of those benefits of actually being a part of a, you know, a, a spiritual group to be able to hold you up. Hmm. You know, hey, one thing I'd, I'd throw out here, we've talked a lot about entrepreneurship, but honestly, yeah. medical stuff, oh, yeah. dental stuff. I mean, right now, we're really looking for people that are willing to go to the Middle East mm-hmm. as doctors. And you know what? You, 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 you're, it's a paid position. Yep. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but tremendous opportunities to be a light for Jesus in a place where you could not go in as a traditional missionary. Yep. Mm. Um, those are the kind of things we're just like, wow, we just stand between. We see all these opportunities here, you know, in the other parts of the world. We see so many resources and people over here. We just want to bring them together. Yep. Uh-huh. Man, that's a great place to land our last question. You know, what does Jesus have to say about creativity and solving the world's problems. Mm. Aaron, you were so good starting last time. I'll go again. That's fine. That's that's what I'm talking about. All right. Well. So the deal is we answer this question, okay. and then you clean up the mess. So Sounds whatever good. mess, oh, heretical, yes. oh, man. socially, wow. headhunters, you know. Yeah, there great. you go. Love it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think this is a really great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I really appreciate it. And I um, you know, I, I said this before, and I know we, I believe we all agree, God is a very creative God. I mean, obviously, he, he created all of us. He created this whole amazing place that we live. You know, I think that he has creative means to um, put us in places where he wants us, when he wants us. Um, and I think he also, he also has creative ways of networking us to different, each other and opportunities. So I, I love this conversation. I love the vision of what you're what you've been talking about about making sure people feel resourced feel connected feel like they can have a, a sense of accountability with each other i think that's that's awesome um just to the broader question peter i mean i just think um you know you hit on this jj this, there's 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 been so much creativity that Christians, um, the church has offered over the years, and there's been, you, you mentioned this too, Steve, uh, you know, the impact of that um, on people's lives, on uh, their own individual lives, but also just on the, dire- in the positive direction in different places. So I think that, yeah, I mean, the Lord wants us to lean into our creativity. He's a creative God, and there's problems out there, so let's think of good ways to try to uh, address them. Mm-hmm. Man, that's really good. I, I guess this is what I've been thinking about. Um, the majority of people that got to know Jesus in the New Testament went back to their normal lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I sit there and I think, because we get this idea, if I become a Christian, maybe I'm supposed to go to Africa and mm-hmm. almost, and I don't even say that for location, I say that mm-hmm. I need to give up everything that I'm good at just right. to follow Jesus. But, you know, even the disciples, while they were following Jesus, they still fished. Amen. Like they still went and I, you know, I, I don't know if it was this conversation, but someone brought up, you know, the church of Philippi, Mm. probably the person who hosted that church meeting was Lydia. 
she sold purple, you mm -hmm. know, which was really, really expensive back yeah. in ancient times. And I wonder so much if we've been so focused on location mm -hmm. that we forget, no, like, God has given me transferable gifts. And Absolutely. even just to the point of, I know that God calls people to certain areas, but you know, I think of what Jerry Gillis says from uh, the chapel in Buffalo, and he says, you know, is your yes on the table before God asks a question? So that's kind of mm -hmm. what I'm leaving with. I love that. It's your yes on the table. Mm -hmm. Because no matter where God calls us, no matter where we are, we're, we're, we're his followers, we're his disciples. And I think a good thing in my life verse is Ephesians 2.10. We are God's creative, one-of-a-kind piece of artwork. That's the Greek translation. Mm -hmm. uh, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God ordained beforehand that we should do. Even before we were born, he already had works for us to do. And we just need to follow on, surrender, mm -hmm. follow mm -hmm. him. He'll lead us. You get to clear up your dad, man. No. That's awesome. That's what, you know, all great? three of us. This I know, is great. amazing. <laughs> and I, w I wouldn't even say clear up anything. I, I would just add another another lens. I, I, um, I heard a guy once talking about missions work, and he said he used the analogy of, of shipping. And he said there's, there's two different types of ships historically. You would have one would be a, a merchant ship that would sail into a new port, and he would already have his plan and, you know, a partic particular thing he was trying to sell. Then you would have explorer ships. And an explorer ship would go into port, and he would say, what's up in this community? What do they need? What's happening here spiritually? How is God showing up, mm -hmm. and how can I join him? And so when we talk about, you know, being creative and it's not on you, <laughs> it's on you to join what God is doing in his world, right? So, so our God is a creative God, therefore he invites me to join with him, therefore I'm a creative guy because I'm following after my mm -hmm. creative master. So to me, that, that's kind of how I make, make sense of that, mm -hmm. that idea of following a creative God. Where can people find you? Yeah. Give, support, pray for the ministry. Compelglobal.org is the, the website. Uh, uh, we've kind of have phase one of our website up and you know live right now. In a couple of weeks, phase two will be live, and that'll have giving opportunities as well as going opportunities. The biggest thing is, is just to go there on the site or feel free to get in touch with either of us, Josiah at Compelglobal.org, Steve at Compelglobal.org, or Mobilization at Compelglobal.org. Besides Compel, are you guys, you know, active on social media? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> How do they find us on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff? JJ Harling, I, I'm, I'm on Facebook, um, Instagram as well. Both of those lead to our corporate, um, you know, sites as well of Compel Global on Facebook. Uh, but then you're the same thing, Steve, Steve J Harling. Is that yep. Right? yep, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on Twitter, he's Steve Harling one. Yeah, yeah like, well, there you I go. I don't even know, you know. I don't know. He's number one. Well, don't check though. us out on Twitter. It's not going to do anyone any favors. <laughs> Neither of us are there. So. All good. All good. Well, we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, remember, Why God Why exists to respond to the questions you didn't think you'd ask in church. Go to whygodwhypodcast.com so you can subscribe from there. Thanks for being with us. Yeah.